Welcome to Two For None, your favourite cricket comedy podcast. I'm your host, Patrick Cullen, and sitting across from me, the man, the myth, the legend, C.T. Barty. Bardo, how are you, big fella? How are you doing over there? I'm good, I'm good. You know, I've just been actively avoiding golf courses. Um... <laughs> it's a smart strategy, Chris. It's a smart strategy. you got to stay healthy out uh, there. Except, especially at this time of the tournament, you know, I, I would hate to have some sort of freak injury affect my cricket watching ability. Pat. Especially, Chris, if you just come off the back of a previous freak injury, which mm-hmm. like put you out of the game, out of the cricket-watching game for, say, a year. Um, you'd want to stay away from, from anything that could really mess your life up on that front, hey? That's that's right. That's right. Yes. Um, any any sort of any sort of slow-moving vehicle, I feel, is hazardous. Um, oh, definitely, Chris. Definitely. I don't think that gets talked about enough, actually, how hazardous those slow-moving vehicles are. Hey, I also want to point out, um, apropos of nothing, it's Elise Perry's Please. birthday today. Oh, wow. Happy birthday. Yeah. yeah. I'm sure she's thrilled that we missed her birthday. really cares. I mean, it should be a national day of celebration, Chris. Like, sure. I think if there's any one cricketer that we should take a day off for, um, you know, it should be today. Should, you, we shouldn't have done any work today, Chris. We should have just paid homage to, to the great the great all-rounder. Yeah, absolutely. It looks probably, you'd argue, what, top three female athletes in the country over the last decade? Yeah. Probably. Yeah, I mean, it's Sam Kerr and Elise Perry, really, isn't it? Sam Kerr, Elise that, Perry, and maybe Ash Barty? Maybe Ash Barty, yep. I'd say that's the big three. And I'd, I'd say too, Chris, that probably, arguably, one of the greatest cricketers Australia's ever produced Arguably Surely. one of our greatest all-rounders. I think that's 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 a fair thing to be made. Like, I don't I, know how else you'd go around that. Yeah, I, I don't think you can make any other case. Uh, in, in any form of women's cricket, um, she's been utterly dominant for a long, long, long period of time. Speaking of dominant for a long time, Chris, um, India keep bloody knocking people off. Australia, since last time we recorded, successfully beat New Zealand. Mm. Just... Um, by five runs, we'll take it. We'll take that any day of the week. Um, but geez, it was tight. And the wheels have completely come off for Sri Lanka. The wheels are <laughs> pretty much off for England. Jai Singh, our Indian correspondent, sent me a tape today. And the email was simply entitled, Ha Ha England. <laughs> so the email was entitled. And he attached his tape to it. There was no content in the email. Just Ha Ha England, which I, I love from Jai. Everyone's laughing at the poms. Unfortunately, we're recording this before we play them. This episode will be released after that game, and we're recording it before. So that's a little bit annoying, Chris. I'm sorry to the listeners about that, mm. but I'm pretty hopeful, confident even, that we're going to roll the poms, especially considering England were absolutely categorically defeated by India by like about 100 runs, Bardo, um, just sure. a couple of days ago. Yeah, they stink. They're real bad. Um <laughs> You heard it first, folks. They stink. They're stinkers. Oh, they, boy. They look individual. I saw a quote from Joe Root where he's like, he's like, man for man, player for player, I'd take England over Australia. And I was just like, on current form? On uh, current form, Joe? <laughs> really? Is there a question mark at the end of that statement, Joe? Um, I, I don't know. Uh, look, one interesting thing was um, David Willey, 
I don't know whether this is true. My source on this is the comments in the BBC <laughs> Christian Instagram page. <laughs> this is what people come to TV Num for. Just real reputable reporting. But. So, you know, grain of salt, half truths probably, but a good story nonetheless, based on nonfiction. Um, <laughs> anyway, good. the story goes, apparently... England announced their central contracts, which is like the you know their version of the Cricket Australia contracts, in the middle of their most recent defeat to who did they yeah. who did they lose to yes yeah whoever the most recent defeat was anyway um, in playing in the match was David Willey you know I'm a big fan mm. of David Willey I think, I think oh you're right. a big Willey fan big Willey big Willey fan big, loves a Willey big Willey styles. Um, <laughs> He's playing the game, but then doesn't get a ECB contract. Mm. So potentially anyone that's scrolling Facebook or X or Facebook or Twitter or Instagram or whatever has found out that David Willey is no longer an English contracted player before David Willey's found out, despite the fact that he's actually probably been England's strongest performer in this World Cup or, you know, one of the ones that can can hold that up high reasonably. Um so some pretty comical mismanagement Jeez, there, I, I would have thought, um, from England. It's probably pretty um, symptomatic of the way things are going at the moment. Oh, mate. I mean, doesn't that really just show where they're at? Like, what a disaster. What a disaster that is. If true, if true, if the comment section is to be if, believed. If the comment section is to be believed. <laughs> also weird, like, the way they do their contracts. They've got, like, one year, two years, and three years, and so they have a band of players on one year, uh, a band of players on two years and a band of players on three years. I, I, I don't know how they figure that out. Um, Neither. You know, who knows? I Honestly, Bardo, it's probably the least of their problems right now. Like, they're probably their biggest problem is that after six games, they've got one win and five mm. losses. Um, and their net run rate is negative 1.6. So, I, I don't know what to tell you here, Bardo. They, um, they are tanking. They are circling the drain. And look, like this might be the position England needs to be in to, to come out and take out Australia, right? To take us off our perch. Like, Bada, you and I did not think that after six games we'd have four wins and we'd be sitting in third. Like, that's crazy. We didn't think we'd beat New Zealand. Mm. Um, so, you know, we've beaten New Zealand. South Africa and India are above us on the table. The only people that have beaten South Africa, weirdly, are the Dutch. Um, India let yet to lose a game looking sensational like I watched the highlights of the India Sri Lanka game and that was real that was real like men's first grade versus like second 11 year 12s you know what I mean like it was it was pretty devastating stuff but like I I I would go as far as to call it embarrassing, and I'm really saying that with a degree of trepidation in my voice. Just not because of all the Sri Lankans that listen to this podcast. I mean, but they got—they were all out for fifty-five. Yeah, yeah. They were all out for five-five, mate. You know, I don't know what to tell you, but that's—that's—that's that's, that's bad times. You know. Do you know what's? Um, do you know what's a worry, man? Is um, the first half of the scorecard could have been written by a robot. <laughs> 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 it does look like binary. Zero zero one zero one. <laughs> yeah. Zero zero one zero one one two zero zero one two one four five. 
One zero. Yeah, it's the five <laughs> that ruins it, isn't it? It's yeah. the five there, which is a bit of a bugger. And honestly, mm. extras with ten was one of the top scorers. I mean, Ooh. that's a brutal day at the office. That's an uh, utter destruction. So, you know, you'd have to say, given that, um, I expect to hear a quite a jovial Jai Singh today on the podcast. Now, here's a question. Of the Indian Please. bowling figures, maybe we should throw the Jai first, but of the Indian bowling figures, who would you say had the worst figures? <laughs> Who was the worst bowler on the day? Um, Jasper Boomerah, one for eight. Uh, Muhammad Siraj, three for 16. Muhammad Mm. Shami, the most expensive bowler, um, five for 18. I mean, Uh, loose stuff, Chris. He's throwing pies there. (laughs) Loose stuff. Kuldeep Yadav, none for three off two. And uh, Jadeja, uh, one for four off four. Expensive, um, but... (laughs) That's four deliveries, may we say, not four overs, four deliveries, folks. That's right. Um, yeah, Bardo, that's a demolition. That's that Scotty Boland at the MCG stuff. That's that's uh, that's sheer yeah. destruction. So I don't know, man. Um, and that's after they put on three hundred and fifty-seven for eight. Um, so at one crunched. point, sure, eight for twenty-nine. Yeah, not good, Chris. Not good, you know. It's bad. It's bad. It's bad. It's bad stuff. You know, one of the um, one of the saddest days in my life as a club cricketer, Chris, um, yeah. was and and you know, Summerhill Cricket Club listeners will know. Um, one time we bowled a side out for seventy two, and we were feeling pretty good about that. We went out to bat, and we got dismissed for thirty five. Um, all out for 35 um, to the loopiest leg spin you've seen in your life, Chris, and just blokes <laughs> trying to pump into next week and getting stumped. Like it was, there was literally eight stumpings in the side. It was brutal stuff. Um, not since then have I seen a scorecard so brutal as this. <laughs> <laughs> At what point do you think Sri Lanka realized that this game <laughs> was over? <laughs> yeah, I mean. <laughs> Five for fourteen. Is it six for Four fourteen. For <laughs> I think six for fourteen is where right. you go. We're in, we're in trouble here. You know, seven for twenty-two is pretty bad. Eight for twenty-nine. You know, that's that's yeah. real. You know, yeah. we're training on a Sunday stuff. It's not good. Um, sure. It's not good. Um, hey, Bardo, should we get into some tapes, mate? We've got we've got a couple of people to hear from today. We've got Chris the Goodman Goodrick from South Africa, um, Jai Singh from India, Adam Hastan from Pakistan, uh, Tom K. Hawkey from England, and Adam Alex Adam, I nearly said. Alex Spinks, our Aussie correspondent. Which one of those guys would you like to hear from first? Look, given that we've just uh, done a, a terrible review of the India Sri Lanka game, perhaps we should uh, class it up a bit and, and hear from Jai Singh to start things off. I'd love to do that. Here is Jai Singh, our Indian correspondent. India batted first twice this week, having chased in their previous matches. It wasn't voluntary, they were sent in each time, but it was good for practicing a different match situation, and it meant their opponents had to field when it was hot. They didn't make the best start against England, falling to 3 for 40, when Rohit Sharma was entirely unconcerned with the challenging pitch and batted serenely as though he was on the flattest slab of concrete imaginable. The recovery had taken them to three for 131 when Kale Rahul ambled down the wicket with the air of a man who knew 131 was plenty against this England side. He skied a catch from a horrible swipe across the line. It was the most brainless shot until, well, we'll get to that. Root got out to a slog too, but can't really be blamed because he played beautifully for 87 from 101 balls and that was just a calculated risk that didn't come off. 
Surakumar Yadav added a breezy 49, but India's long tail basically had to play for stumps after he was out. I was impressed that they batted out the overs, but it wasn't exactly death overs acceleration. The match felt in the balance at the halfway point. India had recovered to 8 for 230, but still looked painfully short on a pitch where 270 was par. If it hadn't been for England's earlier struggles in the tournament, you wouldn't have given them a chance. There was still hope, but surely England would gun this down and maybe even get their ship back on track. Sorry, Jai, just jumping in here quickly. But um, just to say that you called last game for last game, last podcast, but you were asking for a low score thriller is what you're asking mm-hmm. for. You were saying that we haven't had one of those. And and when India was sort of all, well, you know, 299, 229 for nine, they finished their first innings against England. I was like, oh, Bardo, here we go. We're here on. it is. Mm-hmm. This is it. We're on like Donkey Kong. The, the sad thing was that England just couldn't bat. Um, and got drilled by 100 runs. They sure did. Um, look, I thought they actually bowled really, really well in this game. Um, you know, I thought they had contributions across the board. Uh, the guy we've been singing his praises who didn't get the ECB contract, David Willey, um, and subsequently has retired from all forms of cricket internationally. Uh, you know, figures of three, 3 for 45, I think bowled really, really well. I thought Chris Wokes bowled well. Uh, Adil Rashid, you know, 2 for 35 off 10, more than handy. Um, probably one of England's better uh, portions of a game throughout the whole tournament. But you're absolutely spot on, Pat. Um, the the batting performance, uh, albeit on a on a, the, the fourth innings on it on that particular pitch, um, yeah. left a lot to be uh, well left a lot to be desired, didn't it? Look, Shami looked good, Bumrah looked good, but did, were they? Mate, Shami's turned out to be a gun. It turns out second inning Shami's an absolute one-day machine. Like, mm. it doesn't make any sense. The seam position, Bardo, the seam position of some of those deliveries was extraordinary. Mate, you could plate it up. You could absolutely plate it up. You could eat off that. It was just, the presentation was delightful. Well, Prue and Paul in the bake-off would have loved it. Look, <laughs> absolutely. Um, no, I see. I don't watch that one. I, I, I I'm not sure, but I'm going to say Chef Jacques would have loved it. From nailed it. Um, <laughs> Chef Jacques would have loved it. He would have been a big fan. Jacques Torres. Um, so yeah, look, you're right. Look, Boomer and, and Shami bowled magnificently well. Um, so you could, if you're England, you maybe may make the argument that look, we just copped them on a good day. Um, but it's it's now a pattern. It's now a pattern. It's now a problem. Let's get back to Jai. Not even close. England's top three swiftly capsized and it was up to their miracle man to produce another you-can't-do-this-Ben-Stokes moment. And he did. But here it was not how did he do it, but why did he do it? Did he take Joss Butler's we're not defending the cup a bit too literally? Don't worry, Skip. I'll make sure we don't defend it. A few hours before, I had been ranting at Rahul for playing the silliest shot I'd ever seen. Now that was driven out of my mind completely by Stokes's ridiculous backing away slog. England went through the motions for a little bit, but they were never really in it. Bumrah and Shami cleaned them up, and England were all out for 129. You know, Rahul was right. There was no way England could chase 132. <laughs> the next match didn't even look close at the innings break. India was sent in again against Sri Lanka and battered like an absolute juggernaut. Gil, Kohli and Aya all scored between 82 and 92, and that was enough to propel them to 357 for 8. And then the Sri Lanka under-12s came out to bat. <laughs> and for a while, under-12 looked like a pretty likely end-of-innings score. 
In the end, they did pass their recent 50 all out against India in the Asia Cup, but only just. Shami only came on after Sri Lanka were 4 for 14, having earlier been 4 for 3, one of those cases where, as the commentators pointed out, you don't quite know whether we're doing the scorecard Australian or English. You can't tell which is runs and which is wickets. Uh, And he still had time for a cheeky fifer. 14 wickets at 6.71 in 22 overs for the tournament, if you don't mind. Don't think they'll be dropping him when Harindip Pandya returns. So India remain unbeaten and their net run rate gets a nice boost from the 302 run win. India now officially through to the semi-finals and Sunday's match against South Africa will pretty much tell us who's going to finish top of the round robin stage. Thank you, Jai Singh. As per usual, beautiful stuff from you, my friend. Bardo, India, cruise on. They dominate, they smash, they destroy. Turns Mm. out they're the Hulk. But they're the Hulk. They're just smashing through blokes. It's not even a contest out there. Look, it's, they are looking really, really strong. Um, you know, Virat Kohli, second leading run scorer in the whole court tournament. Average of 88.4. Jeez. Just, uh, it's looking good. They're batting well. They're bowling well. It, they're home. Crowd behind them. Ooh. Um, it's looking tough. It's looking tough for anyone else. It's looking tough, Bardo. It's looking tough stuff out there, mate. Um, and yeah, as as Jai pointed out, you know, like they yeah they just seem like all departments are absolutely firing. England, meanwhile, circling the drain, Bardo, circling the drain. Somebody get on the phone, call triple zero, call triple nine, as they do in the UK. Get the ambulance out. They are in trouble. They're Barney Rubble, Bardo, as you and I used to say in cage ball. Um, my friend, what would you like to go to next? We've got Adam Hassan from Pakistan. We've got Chris the Goodman Goodrick from South Africa. Tom K. Hawkey from England, if you'd like to go straight to the UK. Or uh, Adam, Alex. I called him Adam again. Jesus, Pat, get your brain together. Alex Spinks, our Aussie correspondent. Look, I think we should save Tom to last, given that they are Australia's next opponent. Uh, so let's maybe rock and roll with a bit of Adam Hassan. Great stuff, mate. Let's get him in. This is Adam Hassan, our Pakistan correspondent, with a little bulletin for us. After three weeks of games, this World Cup has finally had its first thriller, thanks to Pakistan and South Africa. Pakistan scored 270, and South Africa were looking good at 206 for four, with two set batsmen, Ada Markham and David Miller. Then Shaheen Shah Afridi comes on, and gets Miller caught behind with a great delivery. At this point, South Africa needs 65 more, with five wickets in hand. Marco Janssen comes in, scores a quick 20, then is caught a backward point of Harris Ralph. 36 needed, four wickets in hand. Meanwhile, at the other end, Marco has been struggling against Osama Mir. Three times he tried to play a big shot and top edged it, and all three times the ball had carried just over the field at a point. In the 41st over, he played the same shot again, top edged it again, and this time, finally, it didn't carry far enough. It was taken at point, and Osama Mir had his man. 21 needed, three wickets in hand, danger man gone. Four dot balls to close out the over. Next over, first ball, Shaheen Shah Afridi steaming in, gets Kurtzir, caught behind. Still 21 needed, now just two wickets in hand. Maharajan and Gidi at the crease. They put on 10 runs together from the next four overs. Harris Ralph comes back on in the 46th, his last over, bowling at pace. Two dot balls, third ball of the over, and Gidi fends it back. Harris Ralph dives forward and takes one of the most insane catches. In midair, at full stretch, he manages to clutch the ball in his left hand 
just above the ground, and then has the presence of mind to twist his body while still in midair, so that he lands on his back and his elbow doesn't hit the ground, so the ball doesn't bounce out. It's one of the most amazing things you'll ever see from a fast bowler in his follow-through. He throws the ball up in the air. The whole team comes and jumps on him. He's still lying there on the floor in the middle of the pitch. Absolute scenes. 11 needed, one wicket in hand. Three balls later, Harris Ralph, on fire, last ball of his spell. Hits to Barry Shamsi on the pads. Whole team goes up. It looked good. It looked so good. Umpire doesn't give it. Baba goes upstairs. Hawkeye? Umpire's cool. Killer. Absolutely killer. <laughs> Had that been given out on field, we win the game. We go again. Eight needed now, one wicket in hand. Muhammad Wasim bowls the next over. Goes for three. Three overs left. Five runs to win. One wicket in hand. But none of our seamers have any overs left. Baba had rightly brought them all back on early to try and take out South Africa's tail. It had so nearly worked. But we were one wicket short, and they'd all now board their ten. He turns to Mohammed Nawaz. First ball, single. Second ball of the over, drops it short. Maharaj pulls, goes for four. Game over. Mm. Came so close. Nearly took down South Africa. Went home with nothing. World Cup rolls on. The next day, Australia and New Zealand followed suit with another thriller. Pakistan's next game was against Bangladesh. We got them all out for 204 and chased it down easily in 32 overs, thanks to a good knock of 81 from Fakhar Zaman back into the side after five games out. So what does this all mean for Pakistan? Well, we're still not out yet. If we can beat New Zealand and England in our final two games, then we'll be tied on points for New Zealand, and it'll come down to net run rate. Win these two games, and we've got a chance of progressing. Lose one more, and it's game over for the men in green. Big times for the men in green, Bardo. Big times, and then there it is again, Bardo. This, the, the tight, low-scoring thriller. I mean, it's crazy to think we're now thinking of 270 as being a low score, but <laughs> here we are, B-Train. Here we bloody are. And and it, I did see that that referral, and the umpire's call there. Just huge, Bardo. Just colossal potentially putting Pakistan out of the World Cup on an umpire's call. Mm. Big stuff. Mm. Big time bears, buddy. Big time bears. Great storyline, though. Great storyline. Great storyline. Beautifully told by Adam as well. Beautifully told by Adam. No interruptions from us, which is unusual. Yeah. I mean, I nearly did, but I just thought it was so good, I was just going to let it roll. Yeah, you got to let it roll. Just let it cook. I think, you know, it's on fire. Um, Let the man cook. (sighs) They're very watchable, aren't they, Pakistan? Something's always going to happen. <laughs> like, it's never a simple, you know... No. It's not even a simple, like, last ball... I mean, obviously, they've two overs to go, but it's never a simple, like, last ball, last wicket thriller. Even that's complicated with Pakistan. Yeah. It's always complicated. Yep. But, look, um, Shaheen Shah, Freedy... Uh, is now the second leading wicket taker uh, in in yep. the tournament, second or third. I bowling think. up a storm, Bardo. Bowling up a storm. Yeah, yeah. Look, certainly helped by three for I mean three for twenty three uh, on the back of uh, his his game against Bangladesh. Uh, when he's firing, you know, he's, I think he's one of the most dangerous white ball bowlers in the world. So 
Um, tied on 16 wickets, Bardo, with Adam Zampa, yeah, no less, right. who's clearly taken my advice to heart. I don't want to push that too far, but um, clearly big fan of the pod and um, been listening to a lot of us, Bardo, and just, just took my advice to heart. So good on you, Adam. Keep it up, big fella. Keep the speed dealers on. <laughs> I'm sure. Yeah. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah, undoubtedly. Undoubtedly. No no debate about that. Um, yeah. And Pardo, the other person I wanted to mention to you, um, who we haven't ch- talked about enough on this, is Gerald Kotsia right. um, from the South Africans. Gerald Kotsia, Pardo. Um, the reason... I, I find it strange we haven't talked about him, Chris, because that bloke has cult hero written all over him. All over him, Pardo. Um, he's got a headband on. Looks like the bloody karate kid. Charges in sure. um, every wicket. Doesn't matter, you know. He appeals with every single neuron in his human body, mm-hmm. every fibre mm-hmm. of his being. He's up. He's about. He's screaming around the joint. Um, he's very, very big character on the field, Bardo, and I'm enjoying it personally. Right. You know, it's big energy. Big energy, Bardo. He's out there. <laughs> big energy, Gerald. <laughs> big energy, Gerald. That's what I'm talking about. Um, lots of appeals. I like it. Yeah, well, hey, look, you know, I'm all, I'm all for channeling, channeling, what did you say? Channeling all of his energy into his appeals, almost like su- sort of a Super Saiyan style appeal. It's very Super Saiyan appeals, Bardo. The, right. the rage in the man is, is very frightening. It's Thunderbolts and lightning stuff. Now, Pat, on Chris. another topic, I, I neglected Please. to do this earlier when Jai came on, but I think it's be, was good reason. Um, November 3rd, we've already celebrated Elise Perry's birthday, but did you know that in 1884, <laughs> Claude Floquet from South Africa was born? You uh-huh. just reminded me of that. Uh, because yeah. uh, Big day, Claude's birthday. Uh, you just sure. reminded me of that uh, now. I'm just talking about cult figures. So I just thought I'd read this out because uh, it's also his okay. birthday. Though. So Claude Floquet was a... That's F-L-O-Q-U-E-T was an opening batsman who, for some mm. reason, batted at number eight in his only test against England in Johannesburg in 1909-10, scoring okay. one and 11 not out. He's represented Transvaal and toured Australia with South Africa in 1910-11, but did not play any tests. He died okay. at the same day as President Kennedy was assassinated. Wow. So there you go. Shattered in the news there. Which for the historians was the 22nd of November, 1963. Uh, Uh Career statistics. Wow. Uh, One match, 12 runs, high score of 11 not out, average of 12. And uh, first class, six first class matches, 104 runs, uh, 29 average, high score of 29 and average of 26. Four first class wickets, best ball in 250. Well, then why are we talking about this random South African <laughs> from the late 1800s? I, I'd loved, I'm looking forward to the, the stepping stones to this point, Chris. I just thought we could celebrate, you know, some other birthdays on November the 3rd. There's also- but are we now a cricketing birthday <laughs> podcast? Is that, is that what we are now? Is that what we've degenerated into? Uh, and also, just briefly, Pat, seeing as we just had Adam on, uh, <sighs> Asmat Rana from Pakistan. Remember him? I don't. No. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, it was his birthday today on November 4th. Uh-huh. Uh, just quickly, his younger brother of Shafkat Rana and umpire Shakur Rana. Uh, Asmat was a consistent left handed batsman who played with steady success in Pakistan domestic cricket. Like many others, he played just once for Pakistan. Um, he was selected for 
against Australia in Lahore, 1979, 80, and scored 49 in his only innings. Uh, oh, he could bad. make uh, <laughs> he could not make further inroads for selection into the Pakistan team due to strong batting due to the strong batting lineup, but uh, still continued to shine on the domestic front. So there you go. Well, Chris, I and like every listener to this podcast, I'm just absolutely thrilled that we took a detour to go down Bardo's birthday watch. <laughs> I know the fans are going to be hankering with this segment, Bardo. They're all going to be crying out for it next next week. They're going to be jonesing for it, big fella. So you just get yourself prepped between now and then to crack out some great birthday statistics. Whole World Cup going on, but Bardo's just here to do... Do well wishes, folks. If you've had a birthday on a day, let us know about it. And we'll see if we can quit <laughs> Send us through your statistics. We'd love to read about it. I've got one for every correspondent, so let's roll on that. Let's let's keep cracking on, folks. Um, <laughs> But it's really silly. Um, hey, considering we're talking about some great South Africans, should we go to a great South African and hear from Chris Goodrick? Sure. Do you think you'll mention Claude? <laughs> Claude. <laughs> Claude, okay. <laughs> somehow, somehow I doubt oh, it. I, but stranger things have happened. I guess I'll you tune never in know. There. Fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> Yebo, 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 yes. You pro tiers, you bloody beauties. Guys, how good have these pro tiers been? Uh, just coming off a great win against New Zealand. Um, and it has to be said, guys, we've gone and done it again. Um, as you know, we uh, we beat the Poms in the rugby and the cricket um, in the same week. Um, and now against New Zealand, we beat them in the Rugby World Cup final and gone and absolutely smashed them in the cricket. <laughs> and uh, what a game it was. Um, very, very surprised that um, New Zealand decided to bowl first, um, especially with South Africa's uh, dominance uh, batting first in this tournament. Um, and the Proteas, um, Quentin de Kock again, another 100. That's his fourth 100 in the tournament so far. And uh, he goes past 500 tournament runs. Sorry, Chris, I'm just going to hold you there. Bardo, um, got to point out how much of a bad sporting day it was for the Kiwis. Mm-hmm. Um, losing the Rugby World Cup to the Saffirs and then also losing the cricket on the same day as the Palms lost the rugby and lost the cricket. I mean, it's great. It's the only good thing about Australia being so crap at rugby is that that couldn't happen to us. Um, fortunately, we were bundled out of the tournament far earlier and weren't put into this awkward position. But you got to, I, I, you know, it was real put your caps out stuff for Michael the Stick Wood that day, I thought. Mm. You know, the poor old Kiwis. A rough day at the office, buddy. A rough day at the office. Yes. Yeah. What is it the the land of the long white cloud? Correct. Uh, Correct. It was a dark cloud that day, my friend. <laughs> a dark South African cloud full of bry and um, and I don't know Castle Lager. I imagine. I think it's, it would have just emanated from Stewart Island right in the middle and swirled around until it covered both the north and the south. 
I'm impressed by your um, New Zealand geography now, Chris. Clearly <laughs> <laughs> an expert. It's only taking him a couple of years, folks, but he's on the hammer. Um, let's go back to Goodrich. So brilliant performance from him. Rusty Funderdison in the runs as well, 133, and uh, David Miller. Nice to see him get um, 53 or 30. He needed uh, he needed to score. Um, and then our old mate Tamba. What's happening, Tamba? My man. 24 of 28 so another low score from Tamba out of our um, five or six or seven batsmen I suppose if we if we count um, bowler Marco Janssen um, but Tamba has uh, really struggled and a uh, lot of uh, talk and articles in the Republic of South Africa calling for him to go back to sleep to put the covers <laughs> o- over turn the light off and have a bit of a nap and let Reza Hendricks back in so Reza came in against England uh, when Tamba was napping and scored, <laughs> I think it was around 80 runs. Um, he didn't fire too well against Bangladesh, but he is in, in good form. And um, the big game coming up against India on Sunday at Eden Gardens, we want our most informed team, you know, number one versus number two in the tournament. I'd like to see us, I'm hoping we, we, we bat first if conditions are good for batting. And uh, I'd like to see uh, Reza come in there and so we have a really strong batting lineup. So that's going to be a great game, guys. I'm really, really excited for that. And uh, the Proteas are looking uh, like that uh, semi-final spot is uh, getting within our reach now. Uh, and on that note, probably the most important thing is the issue of uh, the said agreements for um, the humble pie. Um, <laughs> Now, I didn't know this, but humble pies come in some some really cool varieties. Oh. Um, and um, looking at, uh, th- there's a definition on humble pie, and uh, the expression derives from humble pie, a pie filled with chopped or minced offal, oh. especially of deer, but often other meats. Oh. But you've got some great varieties here. I mean, there's a medieval mix. There's one with <laughs> beef and mushroom. So I'm not too sure, Pat. I'm not too sure what your palate, uh, what your palate likes. But I mean, there's even one here with raspberries, strawberries, blackberries, and black currants. That could, that's sort of more an Australian one, I would imagine. So uh, logistics, uh, it's going to be a problem getting this pie over. But um, Pat, you just give me a bit of feedback on how you like your humble pie. So Proteas um, <laughs> doing really well, I must just say. Um, they hadn't beat the Kiwis in the Cricket World Cup game in 24 years. Wow. So it was great that we um, got over that uh, speed hump. And uh, we're looking in fine touch. And this Sunday is going to be a blockbuster at Eden Garden. So uh, watch that, guys. That's going to be awesome. Um, Tembo will be sleeping, no doubt. Um, but guys... Very, very stoked. Very, very proud of this Proteus team. They are doing us incredibly well. It's been fantastic to see how we've come out and played some amazing cricket. So uh, we'll see you later. Thank you, Mr. Goodrick. Thank you very much. And look, but i got to say, I hadn't thought about having a dessert humble pie, but a dessert humble pie could be the way to go. I mean, mm. that sounds, if anything, Chris, between you and the bench press, it sounds like a bit of a win for me. Um, I'm, I'm absolutely down to make that humble pie, put a post on, on, on the internet, on the two for none socials and on my personal socials too, um, bake myself a pie, uh, and um, maybe see if I can't put Chris Goodrick's face on it somehow. Hey, 
You know, hey. here's an idea. Yeah, please. You bake said humble pie uh-huh. and you use that as your entry pie on wow. onto your baking show. Wow, Chris. Wow. Maybe that's what gets me onto Bake Off. You know, you know just bring two worlds collide, Bardo. Two worlds collide. And, you know, Henry McStuffins or whoever the judge is on that show. Uh, Paul and Prue, yes. Thank Paul you. and Prue McStuffins. Say, <laughs> I don't know, I've never watched it. I don't know. But, you know. Well, You've got to get into Bake Off. It's a great show. There'd just be a, a hint of bitterness that, would, um, that might get, mm. you know, sweet, sweet and sour, slightly tangy. Yeah. 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 No soggy bottoms either. I, I tell you what, Chris, um, uh, Mr. Goodrick, um, I'm going to, I'm going to go for that raspberry blackberry job. I reckon that'll keep best over long distances. I'm a bit nervous about meat traveling internationally. Um, I feel like the, the likelihood of that going poorly is, is high. So maybe we'll stick to the fruits, big fella. Um, but keep me in the loop there, mate. I'll send you my address and we'll see if we can work something out. <laughs> Um, the Proteas, mate, flying, flying Proteas, flying Proteas, um, big game Saturday. Um, let's see where they end up. That I'm going to, um, you know, the Goodrick's just going to add this to my pie count, but I'm going to be backing India there, Bardo. Oh, Who are you backing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think you have to, just purely on the red-hot form that India is in at the moment and mm. the fact that it's at, it's at home, which... Is there anywhere else in world cricket that provides you with such a big advantage as in for as a home ground does for India? So few, Chris, few and far between. It's, it's pretty hard work. Interesting call there about Temba Vavuma, our, our favourite 162 centimetre captain. Um, he does has a tremendous white ball record, tremendous mm. white ball record, uh, average of 49, 500s, 450s. Um, be a big call, big call to, to drop the captain um, before the tournament. But mate, Rassi's been looking incredible. Rassi has been looking incredible. Rassi has been smashing them. So mm. I don't know. Mm. I, I I do not pity those selectors, butter. Who steps up for South Africa in the instance that? Um, oh, probably the cock. Yeah, probably Q. You'd think so. Probably the big Q. Yeah, I mean he's been smashing him as well. Frankly, Q's been out of his skin in pre-retirement um, he's been looking real good well, so. going out on top but the only thing I'd say is look, it's a World Cup it's a major tournament that we know what South Africa's like we know what South Africa's like the uh, almost the better the pool games are you know the bigger the pie essentially <laughs> Nice one, Bardo. Way to bring it back Thank you. to pies um, can I my prediction on that is whoever bats better is going to win I said previously that whoever caught better is going to win, but right. this one I think is going to be a bat off. I agree uh, that whoever scores more runs will will win the match. I think Chris, whoever scores the most runs, is going to win the game. Okay, that's that's my early prediction. Controversial. Contro- <laughs> what analysis, um, my friend? Would you like to hear from Tom K. Hawkey or Alex Spinks? Well, look, let's go with Spinks. We've already done the birthday shout out for November third, of course. The great Lise Perry. Happy birthday! Happy birthday to you. So we can spare those se- valuable seconds uh, and launch straight into Alex's tape. Too close, too close to comfort, please not again. Too close, too close to know just when to say when. G'day, gents. Before I get into the details of the absolute thriller in Dharamsala last Saturday, I would like to draw some attention to something Barty revealed in last week's pod. 
Pat Cullen's Bucks Party. I don't want to take up too much time with it, so this is all I have to say about that day. F*** you, Barty. <laughs> to a lesser extent, f*** you, Michael Wood, who turned up wearing shorts on a 30-degree day while the rest of us were in pants, and to really hammer home, I was the only cricket tool in the crew, but also you, Pat, as both of you lads waxed lyrical about Barty's capture-the-flag heroics, and neither of you chose to mention my extreme physical dominance displayed during foam-tipped arrow death matches <laughs> where I was plucking arrows aimed at me from the air with the athletic dominance of a Shaolin monk. I schooled you children. <laughs> I have been insulted. I have been betrayed. And then you dishonour me by ignoring me? <laughs> this will be remembered. And I will have my revenge! But I think he's upset. Uh, maybe. But, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, probably. He might have said too. I, thing is, I was just about to give him some compliments, Pat, because our man, Spinksy, you know, in mm. addition to monkery on the archery field, um, what he did was he went to the Bucks party and then went to work. And it's yeah, you know, like full bucks party, and then work. He went to, he went to work, and it's not like he has a job where he's just punching numbers into a spreadsheet. Pat, this oh, no. man is a professional actor. Yeah, he's on stage. Yeah, he's on stage. He has lines from him. He has people to entertain, and he managed to do it by all accounts. Yep. yep. And then he came back afterwards as well, and kept on keeping on. Yeah. Great effort. Yeah. And, and I will say, to give him credit here while he's raging out, he was extraordinary with his ability to catch arrows. Um, Spinksy was a weapon, you know. He oh. was just catching arrows all over the joint. But I, I, I couldn't put that to Chariots of Fire, Bardo. You know, not in the same way. Not mm. in the same way. It's more of, a, um, it's more of an art gallery exhibition. <laughs> Giant canvas on a white wall type thing. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Let's go back to it. Anyway, to the cricket. I've been a bit pressed for time this week, so instead of recording the entirety of this tape, I instead spent an eye-watering amount of money paying for someone to feed two for none episodes into a voice-generating AI so that it could read out my recap of the Australian-New Zealand game. Unfortunately for me, it only had time to synthesise the best and most recognisable voice from the crew, so here to present our recap is... TKBot. Hi there, TK Bot here with our first snapshot with a bot. On the 28th of October, we were treated to arguably the best match of the tournament. Um, Pakistan and South Africa doesn't qualify because there was much consternation about the umpire's call rule, which people, for some unknown reason, still need explaining. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm stopping here. Are we? Is this? Is this our first like MCU uh, two for none crossover event? What is happening? I don't know. I don't know. I, ha, has Tom's voice been uploaded into the mainframe? Has Spinks... Is Tom... Or has he just sent this to Tom and Tom's recorded it for him? Look, I'm not sure what's going on. Well, I don't know, All Chris. I know that is that Spinks has thrown down a mystery ball and you and I <laughs> have got 22 yards or five minutes, however long this tape goes, to figure out is it a leg spinner or is it a wrong end? Otherwise, we are going to have a middle stump out of the ground, my friend. And it wouldn't be the first time, Chris. ...to them. No, the match of the tournament instead saw Australia take on the rightful winners of the last ODI World Cup in New Zealand. Hold on, I'm not reading that. 
I might be AI, but I'm still English. I mean, at best, we can say New Zealand won the Moral World Cup in 2019. I will not be insulted like this. I quit. Warning. Self-destruct sequence activated. Three, two, one. Alrighty then. I guess I'll do it myself. Australia and last ODI World Cup's rightful winners in New Zealand played out a classic. This match had the makings of a demolition in the first innings, the recently returned... Sorry, Spixie. Bardo is a crossover. It's a crossover. It's a leggy. It's a leggy, it's a leggy, it's a leggy. Okay. All right, all right. Oh, jeez. I was fretting for a minute there, but we're back, Bardo. He's not in the main frame. Not yet. Not yet. Ted and David Warner scoring their opening 50s in less than 25 balls apiece and continuing the march until one Glenn Phillips came on to restrict the run rate, frustrate the openers, and then be rewarded with their wickets as well as Steve Smith's, who looked so frustrated by Mitchell Marsh's strangely pedestrian approach to his innings that Smith took on the role of aggressor and mishit a short-length delivery to mid-off for penance. What looked certain to be a 450-plus score was looking like 320, but Maxwell, as he does when he's not hooning around a golf course on a golf buggy, Inglis as he can do, and Pat Cummins as he does in the IPL, pushed Australia up to 388 runs with some explosive batting and aided by some poor catching from New Zealand in the outfield. New Zealand's Ravendra was the man to answer the call for a Kiwi batting response, and boy did he. Top scoring for both teams in the match with 116, aided by a tidy 54 from Daryl Mitchell, Ravendra looked certain to take the game deep until he reached out to try and slap Pat Cummins over the offside, but only managed to hit it straight to Manus Labuschagne at long off. But uh, can we quickly just say how good Ravendra is? Mm. Like, he's so... Ratchin is so good, man. He's so classy. He's, he's great to watch. Yeah, yeah, supremely talented young batsman. Uh, definitely had the whole... Um, Western New Zealand island. Uh, very, very, very nervous there for a while. Absolutely, mate. I watched some of the highlights again last night, and he plays this back foot little punch. Doesn't look like he's, he's hardly touched it, and it goes to the fence like lightning. Mm-hmm. Um, creams them, Bardo. Creams them, creams them, creams them. Enter the funniest man in cricket, Jimmy Neesham. Seriously, check out the man's social media platform, formerly known as Twitter feed. He's hilarious. When Nisham came into bat, Ravendra was still in and New Zealand needed 124 runs from 78 balls. When Ravendra was out a couple of overs later, it was 96 runs from 58 balls, a required run rate of 10.33 per over. Latham, Santner and Henry chipped in, but it was all down to Nish, who entered the final over on 51 from 35. 19 runs required from 6 balls. Let's break down this nail-biting over. First ball. Trent Bolt is on strike and he pinches a single to extra cover. Marnus leaps onto it with an almost certain wicket Mm. at the non-striker's end if he threw it to Mitchell Stark, but he threw it to the keeper and Stark loudly expressed his displeasure. Australia could have had the injured Lockie Ferguson in and only one wicket needed, but now they had the niche on strike and are perfectly capable of running Trent Bolt still in. Second ball. Legside bouncer evades the keeper and Stark has bowled five wides. What was 18 from 5 is now 13 from 5, and Nisham is in a mood for boundaries. Second, second ball, full on leg, and Nisham Bolt race for 2 after Nisham powers the ball to deep mid-wicket. 11 from 4. Third ball, full and straight from Stark, 
equally straight and powerful drive from Nishan. An almost certain boundary in most games, but Glenn Maxwell is placed at the narrowest long-on you've seen outside of Bazball, where they stand directly behind the bowler sometimes for some reason, and he cuts the ball off just short of the rope, and Nishan has to settle for two. Nine from three. Very doable. I am currently bricking it on my couch whilst my pregnant wife laughs at me for my sports-loving lunacy. Fourth ball. Straight ball from Stark at the stumps. Niche heaves across the line and smashes the ball along the ground to the empty area forward of square. Labashane channels the leopards of his homeland and tears towards the ball, puts in a slide and saves a certain boundary. Niche and Bolt race through for another two. Seven runs from two. A six to tie the game, which New Zealand have no traumatic memories of. Fifth ball, Stark needs some of his short-form magic, which has currently evaded him at every point in this match, and it continues to do so. Thigh-high full toss, heading towards Nisham's hips. Nisham swats it to mid-wicket, and Labashain leopards towards the ball again. Nish wants the two, and he needs the two to be able to win this game. But a decent enough throw-in and wonderful keeping from Josh Inglis ensures that Nisham is well out of his crease and run out. Covered in dirt and grass similar to Martin Guptill's outfit in the 2019 final, Nisham has to go, having done his all to drag New Zealand over the line. Last ball of the over. The injured Lockie Ferguson takes strike. A six and only a six can win it. Stark goes around the wicket, angling in from wide of the crease, fires the ball in a good length at Ferguson's stumps, and Ferguson can only cover drive the ball along the ground straight to Mitchell Marsh. Australia have won the highest scoring World Cup match in history by just five runs. Yeah, wow. Whoo! Oh. I'm glad this was Australia's only match last week. I am knackered. <laughs> See you next time, lads. Spinks and TK Bot signing off. Too close, too close covered, Look at that! Look at that little bit of collaboration. Collaboration, eh? Um, we love to see it. Thank you, boys. Great effort. Great, great stuff. And Bardo, we've got to be really pleased about that game. I mean, far out. Like, geez, squeaky bum time at the end there. Am I right? Yeah, big old squeaky bum time. Or a little squeaky bum time. I don't know how the bum time ratio works, but <laughs> it was nerve-wracking. I'll say that. Nerve-wracking. I'll say that. You know, you can't count New Zealand out. Magnificent cricket side. Uh, you know, as you say, um, Ravindra, you know, his innings was measured to begin with um, and then really found the accelerator. As I said, the Western Island of New Zealand was really anxious there for a for a long, long period of time. Uh, and I did not have huge confidence. It's funny how on Mitch Stark, you know, cricketing during public can go hot and cold. Yeah, <laughs> you, you right. Know, uh, because most of the time, white ball in hand, you're thinking Mitch Stark is amazing, he's on fire, he's, he's spectacular. Uh, this World Cup hasn't quite been it for him just yet. And I've got to be honest, I was not feeling great. Uh, leading, Neither, Bardo. Leading. Especially when he bowled those five white buys. Mm, mm. I mean, geez. So that was just like, that killed me, Chris. That absolutely murdered me. I was glued to my phone in bed at midnight next to my fiance. Like, what is happening in my life? Um, yeah. It's, look, crazy, 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 crazy. But look, I just want to highlight, I know he did throw the balls to the wrong end there uh, once, but... I thought Marnus's outfielding was a real highlight. It was yeah, I agree. Marnus was amazing. You know, it just goes to show that there's so many um, aspects to cricket. Three, in fact, 
batting, bowling, and fielding. That wow, can, Chris. Wow, they don't talk about that at home. <laughs> it yeah. can electrify the crowd at home. Uh, you know, his outfielding. Uh, I, I said in one of the group chats, would land him a contract with the Yankees, surely. You know, surely. in right field or center field or the other field that they've got left field. Um, <laughs> I don't know if you've heard of it. Any of the big three fields, but <laughs> only the big three. Fields. They'd have a look at him, wouldn't they? I thought that was great. You know, and that that yeah. would, again shows some of the majesty of, of fifty over cricket. It was such an incredible game that, and as I say, lots of records broken, and Australia walking away with a big W. Um, mate, one more tape left, and it's from Tom, Tom K. Hawkey. Mm. And I, I have to say, Chris, I wonder if we'll get a spink spot here, given that we just had a Tom bot. I wonder if we'll get a, a spink spot as well. But before what, before I wonder that, Pat, I'd just like to let you know that, that today, in 1934, Uh-oh. Dick Richardson was born. <laughs> <laughs> now, who is Dick Richardson, you might ask? Well... Let me tell you, Dick Richardson, Dick Walter Richardson, was born in 1934 in Hereford uh, and is currently still living. Uh, Dick Richardson was a fair-haired, stylish, left-hand middle-order batsman and outstanding close fielder. He holds Worcestershire's record for the most catches by a non-wicketkeeper, that's 65, in 1961 and in a career, that's 412 in total. Uh, he initially joined Worcestershire as an amateur turning professional in 1956 until his premature retirement in 1967 and was a linchpin and was a linchpin of the county side, especially when they went back to cha- back-to-back championships in 1964-65. His one test, a lot of one test, one test today, Pat, came <laughs> against the West Indies in 1957 when my dad, well, when made. my mum was born. Um, he made oh. 33. His brother Peter was also in that side. And it was the first instance of brothers playing together in a test for England since 1891-92. John, John Arlott, the great writer who we just heard of, um, wrote, that, <laughs> wrote that he was combative, adding that he was one of those players of whom it was true to say that his figures did not reflect his worth. And if there's anyone whose figures don't reflect their true worth... It's our bulletin from a Brit deliverer, Tom K. Hockey. Wow, Chris. Wow. I give you credit for managing to tie that into something <laughs> vaguely relevant. <laughs> Tom K. Hi there. Tom K. Hockey here with your bulletin from a Brit. Following on from the interview with Joss Butler last week, I'm continuing in the vein of serious... It's not your turn to talk yet. No, I'm just doing the introduction. Wait, wait. We are talking. We are into the microphone. This week, I turned to two of England's youngest supporters to get their take on the India match. We're talking. We are talking. We're talking about England. So, Benji, England lost again, this time to India. How did it make you feel? Sad. (laughs) You're crying. But things did look bright after the India innings, though. Happy. You felt happy then. Good. What did you make of England's bowling and fielding? It was much better. Who stood out with the ball for you? Chris Wokes. Ah, yes. Much better from Wokes. Nine overs for 33 runs, and he bowled Shubman Gill early. Did anybody else impress you with the ball? Yes, David Williams. David Willey, very astute again. He had Coley caught for a nine-ball duck. 
He looks very nice. I'm talking to Nine. We're not talking to Nine, we're talking to a microphone. We're sort of talking to Pat and Chris. Can you say, hello, Pat? Hello, Pat. Can you say, hello, Chris? Hello, Chris. Very good. England were ruthless. Hello, Benji. Hi, bud. Hi. If your dad's playing this back to you, hi, bud. Yeah, it's great to have you on the pod. Chris, this is one of our biggest bloody gets. Can't believe we got Benji on the pod. Huge get. Big interview. I love it. Um, melting. I'm melting. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> Me too. <laughs> Me too. Maybe my favourite bulletin from a Brit today. Let's go back to these new correspondents. They're doing a great job. That's in the field too. How far below par do you think India's 229 runs were on that pitch? About 30 runs. About 30 <laughs> runs? Well, 30 runs just so happens to be the number scored by England before they lost their first two wickets. Back-to-back balls from Bumrah dismissing Milan and Root. What did you think at that stage? Oh no, here we go again. <laughs> I quite agree. England simply capitulated once more, with eight of their wickets being bowled or LBW. Which wicket was the worst for you? Ben Stokes. Ah yes, your namesake. Out for a ten-ball duck after a savage spell from Shammy kept him quiet. Stokes went for the big heave-ho and got out. Do you think that that was Shammy's skill or Stokes's brain fade? A little bit of both. A little bit of both. <laughs> And so England slumped to a 100-run defeat, having played so well for the first half of the game. Uh, let's turn now to Ollie to get his opinion. Ollie, you've been alive for exactly 107 days. Can you sum up your experience as an England supporter thus far? I know, I know, but it could get better. It just might take another 30 years is all. Oh, beautiful, beautiful, big thanks to our brand new correspondent and Benji there. And Ollie as well. Great stuff, Chris. The best partnership uh, I've seen out of England this World Cup. Same, same, definitely, definitely. Somebody get them in at the top of the order. Tom, that was very cute stuff. Give give both the boys a hug from us. We absolutely love to see that. I was, I was wondering what he was going to do this week, Tom, because England have been so bad. Um, and definitely interviewing his son was um, a, a great way to go around it. Uh, I, I've got to say too, Chris, that I'm very impressed by Benji's vocabulary and his cricketing insights. He's right on the money. Right on the money. Um, he's definitely been introduced to the Crick Info website early. <laughs> I like that. Look, the, <laughs> got to start up young, Chris. You've got it. You've got, got it. You know, and look, I yeah. am currently going through uh, Where is the Green Sheep? by the legendary Mem Fox and mm. another one called God anyway I went to the zoo I wrote to the zoo to buy me a pet and the zoo mm. sent me a elephant anyway I forget that ah but the elephant was too big yes. anyway that's what I'm, I'm I, you know and so forth so forth so forth anyway mm. maybe I'm doing the wrong thing maybe I should be reading the, my, my son Jack uh, birthday greetings off the Crick Info website to, I mean, to get up to yeah, the- I think that would definitely be a great place to start, Chris. I think you should just read him Mark Taylor's just scorecard and just get that into his head <laughs> real nice and early. You know, just just read him tubby, tubby stats and get that in there. Um, thank you, Tom. Thank you to the boys. That was an absolute delight. Bardo, couple of big games. We play England tomorrow. That's Saturday the 4th of November. 
Um, and then on Tuesday, we have Afghanistan next week. Now, Afghanistan, as we know, not to be underestimated. England cornered Tiger. Um, if they're going to fight back, if they're going to have any chance, they have to beat us. Mm. So um, both must-watch games. And then next week, I'm actually in New Zealand. So we may not have an episode. Maybe we'll get Sphinx to step in and do an episode. Mm. We kind of need to figure that out. But I really need to get to this play. So I've got to I've got to wrap this up. Um, exciting times, Bardo. Anything from you before we uh, wrap it up? Well, look, Pat, I think... Um a bit like Michael Bevan. So Michael Bevan was um, contacted by Cricket New South Wales, uh, who have been struggling of late, to do some batting consultancy. You teach their teach their young bats ah, yes, how to bat. I saw this. And Cricket New South Wales sent out the invitation. Michael Bevan has accepted the invitation. And from what I gather, <laughs> Cricket New South Wales has just never called him up. And so Michael Bevan has gone out and released a press conference saying. Uh, it doesn't look like it's going to happen. Uh, and it's just disappearing into the background. And that's exactly what I think we should do for right now, Pat, because it's been a bumper episode and you've got places to be. So much like Michael Bevan in New South Wales, um, let's do some here. Thank you, Bardo. Let's go, those Aussies. Let's get these two Ws. Let's see if we can't get to the end of the campaign. Big thanks to all of our correspondents for all their work. Thank you, Chris Barty, for being the best. And we'll probably be back next week. If not next week, then definitely the week after with a full wrap of all the action. Go, those Aussies. Go, the Aussies. Go, the Aussies. Two for None is created by Patrick Cullen and Chris Barty. This episode presented by Pat Cullen and Chris Barty featuring Chris Goodrick, Tom K. Hawkey, Adam Hassan, Jai Singh, and Alex Spinks. This episode was produced by me, Patrick Cullen, and Ginger Snap Productions, and edited by Mark Wilcox at Midnight Publishing. Featured clips and music this episode included Too Close for Comfort by Sammy Davis Jr., 1962. All clips and music is in conjunction with our APRA AMCOS online mini license. Contact APRA.com.au for details. You can check us out at gingersnapcity.com. Make sure you like, rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast. Tell a friend about it. Share it on socials. Get the word out there. The Two for Nine's a bloody great podcast. It's not just our mums who think so. We swear. We will probably be back next week with another episode. Failing that, we'll be back in two weeks to wrap up all of the action from the World Cup. Oh, one more thing. Go there, Sausies. Go there. Go there.